Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 37. This is a very propitious number for the Unsheathed podcast. We've done 37 in a row. Uh, I'm Kyle Quickie Mark Gold. <laughs> Quickie Mark's The Simpsons. Yeah, I know, but I didn't want to be quick stop because that's not sexy. Oh. Mm, uh, <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Quicker stop. Eh? No, it's not sexy either. No, it's not. I'm Kim Hirosaki, and number 37 has nothing to do with why my mouth is full right now. <laughs> no, Kit, Kit put some things in our muzzles right before the podcast started, so that's why, um, that's why. Anyway, 37. Um, Get back here. Thank you, thank, and, you know, a shout out to Kevin Smith, who's also a famous podcaster for giving this otherwise... You know, marginally noticeable prime number, yeah. much more significance in all of our lives. Yeah, if there's a if there are any listeners out there that don't get the 37 reference, look it up and you'll you'll get it soon enough. I wonder if 37 has its own Wikipedia page now. Well, you do know if you go to Wikipedia and just type in a number, it assumes that you're looking for the year, mm. and then you have to go to disambiguation on that. Oh, I didn't know that. So if you type in 37, it assumes you mean like 37 AD. Oh, if you go to Kevin Smith's page on Wikipedia, I'm sure oh, yeah. it mentions 37 in there. So If you go to 37 parentheses, number and parentheses, that will tell you what you need to know. All right. Good tips. I'm going to pull it up on my phone and see if I'm right. <laughs> While Cam Hirosaki is checking his phone... Um, by the time you hear this, there are some major awards voting for 2009 will be closed. Um, we thank all of you who went out there and took the time to let the artists and writers that you like know that you like them. Uh, the voting in the Ursa Major Awards grows every year, and we're really happy to be bringing more awareness to it in the furry community. Um, you can have, like, Ursa Major ribbons. Well, they already do. If you win, you get like a plaque kind of thing. Um, in uh, so anyway, thanks to all of you. We look forward to hearing the results, which will come out sometime in about a month or so at one of the little conventions that takes place. I don't know which one it's at this year. Do you know offhand? No, I don't. You know, it's I... been at it's been at Rocket Rocket City. It's been at Morphicon. Yeah. It's been at Califer. Was it at all for fun one year? Oh, it might have been, but it's not going to be this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, also, I had a bit of interest in, uh, interest in tidbit forwarded my way this week. One of my fans pointed out that uh, Pendant of Fortune was on a additional reading list for a English course, graduate level English course in the humanities um, about postmodern culture and like the boundaries between human and animal and they were uh, reading all kinds of essays and other novels and stuff and they said you know at the bottom of the list was like furry fiction for example kyle gold's pendant of fortune you know if you're gonna pick a furry fiction as your sort of postmodern deconstruction theory i'm not sure why you'd go right for the gay porn but hey you know it's uh 
I'm, I'm not questioning why either, but ours is not to question ours is why. But to, yes. Ours is but to write porn. That's it. Uh, and let's see. I've been I've been working on what have I been working on? Oh, I've been working on that out of position bonus store that I promised people. Hmm. That's kind of about done. I need to let it sit for a couple of days and then look at it again. But let it percolate. It's pretty much over. It ended up being like eight thousand words. Um, and uh, which was longer than I expected it to be. Huh. But I kind of like it, and it gives me a perspective for going back to edit the sequel too. That's cool. I've uh, I had sort of a busy week. I haven't gotten a whole lot done, but I am still working on that possibly soon to exist novel I've been alluding to. But uh, the last few scenes I've done have uh, f- been a lot more fluid than the ones that came before it for whatever reason. As I think, opposed to containing more fluid. <laughs> yeah, it's not those kind of scenes, actually. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is going to be in what I have left to write. I don't know if I'd say it's uh, it's getting wacky, but the uh, the situation is playfully bizarre and i find that easy to write for some reason perhaps because you're playfully bizarre oh maybe that's oh that's very flattering <laughs> thank you so i think i listened to too much not because i was expecting you to reply your mom's playfully bizarre <laughs> i was gonna say like playfully bizarre can be like the opposite of uh fat and suspicious which is their sort of new tag for things right right uh, all right. So yeah, it's been it's kind of quiet. We don't have um, we don't have much in the way of convention stuff coming up for a while either. Yeah, we um, just broke through the you know the winter convention season. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, um, and I know people who went to all four cons. Wow. Yeah. Wait, how many? Did I go. I went to two. I know people who went to FC Furry Fiesta, FWA, FWA and FCN. And FCN, right, right, right. FCN yeah. was the other one. Um, I'm just like, oh, cool. How do you do that? How do you have that much vacation time and money? You know, some, I don't. <laughs> some people, some people love their fandom. Well, I'd love me some fandom too. That's why I do this podcast for y'all. Exactly. So we got a bunch of questions. Um, we have a few questions on these. Kind of shook out this way chronological wise. Uh, we have a few questions on editing that we had kind of been letting sit. And then we have a few more questions of a more personal variety, which with which we will close out the show. Um, so I'll, I think you started last time because my voice was impaired. So I'll start off this one. Dear Otter and Fox, as I've now listened to all your NaNoWriMo podcasts, I'm struck by how often in discussion you separate the act of writing the first draft with the art of editing the final copy. In the process of my writing, it's not something I've often thought about, but I can't deny that the separation is entirely appropriate. Now that you've mentioned it enough times for it to sink in, I'm starting to equate it to how it takes both a grubby, messy miner and a careful, exact gem cutter to produce fine gemstones. Of course, in the world of material things, the raw materials and the finished product are produced by different people, but in fantasy production, the profit margins are not so great that this is customary. Writers must fill both roles, alternately digging deep within them for plots and characters, and then polishing their prose until it shines. Since a published work looks so much different than the words we first toss haphazardly about the page, and because Nano Edmo is fast approaching, and in fact is gone by this time, <clears throat> sorry, I wonder, would it be helpful to your listeners to take a short passage from one of your stories and read it aloud before and after the editing process? 
perhaps an opening scene that failed to get the plot in motion, or a timid jump moment that grew teeth and attacked suddenly after revision. I think it could be very enlightening, as both of you have had a lot to say about what one can do to rewrite a story, but have so far not had examples of your own work. Would each of you be so kind as to indulge your listeners on this? From Drenth Kuhn. First off, I like the uh, analogy that he came up with there with the, you know, mining and then gemstone refinement and how, you know, in this case, the writers, you know, you have to do both jobs yourself. And I started to think, what if those were different jobs? I was like, wow, if my job was to take somebody else's first draft and then turn a good story out of it, I would hate my life. I would not want that to be my job. Well, there are people who like, who do that. I mean, there's professional editors and there's people who guide authors, but I, 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 while I appreciate the analogy, the analogy is kind of inexact because everybody knows what a finished gemstone is supposed to look like. There's a bunch of standard cuts that you make. Um, I find, you know, the, the better the gem cutter, it's just that he can create these cuts with more precision and, you know, without cracking the crystal and such. Mm -hmm. The problem is that when you have a raw first draft of a story, only the writer knows what the finished product of that is supposed to look like. Exactly. Which is why if somebody, you know, gave you a first draft, like, here, make a story out of this, you'd be like, uh, you're right. not, yeah. Um, now, there are things that an editor can do to help a writer realize their vision. Um, I've worked with people on the X Anthology to try to... In, in a couple cases, people didn't really need much help. In some other cases, I was trying to see, you know, it was clear that their themes were kind of going all over the map. Mm -hmm. And I tried to pin them down and just have a discussion and say, what? who's the central character? What are you trying to get across here? Do you see how you're sort of building tension here and then it diffuses and then you build it up again and you never get a real yeah. climax to, you know, <laughs> coin an Edmund phrase? As far as would it be helpful to take a short passage and read it aloud, I think it might be helpful from a technical standpoint. Yeah. Because you could say, but, I mean, you could say, here's kind of a clumsy first draft. The problem is that I don't know that I have particularly good examples because a lot of what I was doing, I was going back through a story today. I was um, consulting with Kit on the Out of Position sequel for a little bit. And a lot of it is just tightening up. And it's little things like, you know, going through and taking out the verb to seem. Seems, oh, yeah. Seems or seemed. I do um, that. Taking out little wishy-washy qualifiers like a little or a few or a couple or most of or some of. Um, you know, it's taking sentences that, that go like, it seemed like he was a little bit angry and turning that into he was, he angry. was angry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know how helpful that would be yeah the other thing with me is i don't know how much i don't really keep stuff from when i rewrite it and edit it i mean if i have scenes that i cut i'll usually put them in a file and sort of set them off by themselves so that they're not just gone forever but if i have a scene that i've like rewritten a few times but i still kept it i probably don't have the pre-edited version of that anywhere well then and with me yeah i only save drafts at major points, yeah. I only sort of back save. So there might have been a sentence that the first time I wrote it, it was kind of clunky. But then 
if at any point I'm going back into the story to check for reference to, to see what I'm doing or just to read back through to see where I was, if I notice something clunky, I'll just change it. Yeah, exactly. I'll do the same thing. Um, that said, you know, maybe we can, um, at some point in the future, we can devote a show and just, like, take something that we write as a first draft. Yeah. And, and maybe you and I can just sit down and we'll write a first draft of something. And yeah, then, we need to specifically plan for it. Yeah, and then we'll go back and try to try to edit it. Um, the one example that I do want to bring up, though, uh, for my, with my very first novel, which is all full of stuff that I've learned how to do better, but the novel is entirely it's it's very tight third person on vol and the original first chapter which i believe i posted somewhere on live journal years and years ago the original first chapter was from sears perspective coming into the tavern and looking for vol okay and that it, it was also a little more um body than it is currently but um I think in the current, I think in the actual published version, Vol's just kind of hanging out with a wolf, and he's like, um, "Hey, I might be able to get him to go back to the room, and you know, we could fool around and do stuff." And in the original first draft that I had, Seer comes into the tavern looking for him, and she can't find him anywhere until yeah. there's a wolf kind of making tents and jumping noises, and turns out like Vol's under the table giving him a blowjob. And the editor suggested that that was perhaps a little bit too much to start the book with. Like, it gave us a, an impression of him as just completely sex-obsessed, which was true, but not the first thing you wanted the reader to think <laughs> about him. You wanted the reader to build sympathy for him. And also, the first scene kind of broke the fact that it was supposed to be tight third person on him. Yeah. So I ended up rewriting the whole first scene Um the only thing that lost was there's a scene at the end of the book where Vol gets a wolf to go under the table in a bar for him, and it kind of lost the symmetry, but I think that was a... You know, I think that the world of artistic license will forgive your lack of blowjob symmetry. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad thing. Yeah. Well, I mean... Is it is it fearful symmetry? Um, no, there were no tigers involved. Ah, uh, okay. Um... But, um, so we will try to prepare for that. Um, in the meantime, I know there's a couple people out there who would, who are happy and skilled editors. And if any of, um, you guys would like to send us a first draft paragraph and then a final draft of that, uh, we will incorporate it into a show and we'll try to read those aloud at the same time as we read our examples and maybe we'll do just a whole show on editing which would have been a good thing to do for nano edmo but that was march so we march lose was, march was a busy month for everyone yes it was so moving on moving but on. thank you for the idea drance we'll definitely do something with that yeah i think that has we'll have promise. we'll have our uh, we'll have our tech savvy manager put it down on our list of things to do so our next email uh Dear Foxy and Ottery, first off, congrats on the release of Bridges. I can't wait till I get my Foxy paws on it. I think that's congrats more to you, Kyle. I don't know how much I had to know. Oh. I believe, is that Fraudus? Because I think he did get his Foxy paws on that it. That is. Yeah, okay. Secondly, I'm nearly finished writing the first draft of the secret project I mentioned in my New Year's resolutions. I'm currently 1,200 words into it, and my goal, because of my insane schedule, is to have it tripled and finished within the next two weeks if possible. 
if I don't reach that goal, then you guys may feel free to tease me about it on the podcast. Oh, wow. we will. <laughs> Not as much as we tease some people. But. Some people ask for it much louder. Last but not least, my mate is having a little trouble getting the first part of his short story uh, submitted online. He told me the ones reviewing it are saying it's, quote-unquote, too dark. I've read it myself, and I understand what they mean by too dark, but at the same time, I believe that that's the way the mood of the story is supposed to be. My question is, do you guys have any advice for him either where else he might be able to submit the story online, or any way he might be able to keep the same mood of the story, but not change or ruin the mood completely? Thanks a bunch, and hope you guys have a happy beginning of March. Love, Fratus. Uh, well, yay, Fratus. Mar- March was okay. I-, I think wasn't the beginning of March like the the week that really really sucked. Yeah, there was there were a lot of people I know had a bad beginning of March. Yeah, I, I think me. T- I-, I had I had a fine beginning of March. I, yeah, I had people but, with health problems and people who had parents pass away and it's just tax problems too. yeah it was it was not a good month for a lot of people but we thank you for your good wishes it would have been worse without those that's true can always be worse oh, that's a that's a that's a bad note i don't want to say that i don't want to say it can always be worse now don't say that speaking of which about the thing about oh this story's too dark uh yeah i figured you'd be an appropriate one to yeah you know if somebody says oh this story's too dark yeah don't don't let people tell you that your story is too dark. Your story is as dark as it needs to be. I mean, what's the story about? I think I mentioned on the podcast once before where somebody had said, oh, yeah, like, I really want to do this story, but it doesn't have a happy ending, and can you change that? And I'm like, well, if you think the mood is wrong for what you're putting out, then don't use this story, because that's and, not what this story is. And secondly, who gave you my number? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, the, one, the only thing I'll say, I, I completely agree with that. The only thing I'll say is he's saying... He's getting the first part of his first short story submitted online. Yeah. Um, so that implies that he's submitting it to a market, like to an e-zine maybe. Yeah. Um, so if you're submitting to Happy Pony Rainbow Zine and they say your story is too dark, then you might want to change it up or submit it to a different market. Um, if you're just trying to submit it to So Furry, then it doesn't really matter that it's too dark. It just matters that you have to figure out how the hell to get around their upload engine. Yeah, I mean, if it's a case of people being like, oh, this is too dark, it doesn't fit the mood of what we're putting together, or, oh, this is too dark, and I personally don't like that, those are two different things. Right. I would say, if it's not fitting what you're trying to submit to, then either write a different story or find a different market. Yeah. Um, But don't... um, But don't uh, change the mood like that. Yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of being irresponsible to the story at that point is you know the only thing I would say. Yeah, I agree. That was easy. <laughs> Hello there, KM Harasaki and Kyle Gold. I was listening to episode 31 today where you were reading out some people's descriptions of their characters when I got to thinking, how the heck did I miss a listener challenge? Gah! Several head beatings and internal mental torment later, I finally got around to writing my own description. It's probably too late, and if you want to, go ahead and skip it. It was just a fun little blurb that I had a great time writing. I growled and let my twin tails twitch in hatred. Kyle was here. Spelled K-Y-L-E. He always arrived just in time to ruin my fun. Like a mother swooping in from the shadows to catch her son stealing from the cookie jar and vanishing the second he was spanked. No, at least a mother had emotions. 
Kyle simply stood there, his ugly human form gazing over me with his empty gray eyes, wearing his gray sweatshirt, hood pulled down around his shoulders to expose his messy gray hair. That color described him perfectly. He was simply gray, and his appearance was just as bland. He had an average build with average height, average weight, and I'm sure if I had checked he would have have an average dick size too. There was nothing that defined him, and that itself was his most definitive feature. He never showed any emotion. After thousands of years, nothing could mold him. He was like a cement wall to which graffiti refused to stick. He made it his life's work to be as visually and mentally boring as he possibly could, and even as I stood here, my own paw in the cookie jar, I could see no emotional drive in his body, no anger in his eyes or frustration in his steps. I could only feel faint disapprovement emanating from some mysterious source no doubt buried in his gray heart. Even as he spoke, there wasn't a single decibel of emotion as he interrupted my internal monologue. Amex put down the corpse. Anyway, I also have a question for you two. I am, like many it would seem, trying to write a story with an intent on having it published. I do see a problem in the near future. I myself am not the best at editing. Most of my friends' real life aren't furries and would probably cringe at any furry smut I slide into the novel, and the ones who wouldn't are also not the best at editing. So my question is, how would I go about finding someone to read through and help me edit my work? I know you guys mentioned a website made for this purpose, but otherwise I don't remember hearing any suggestions other than getting a friend to read through it. Thank you for your time. Shiru Takumi. Did I pronounce that right? It's probably Takumi. Takumi. I actually have a friend whose son is named Takumi. Ah. Shiru is probably French. So French or, well, it's, it's probably Shiro, Shiro, which is, yeah. Ah. It means like fourth-born son. Oh, yeah. okay. Learn something every day. It could also be a last name, but depending on what it is. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> um, interesting character piece. I'll just say that. Um, as far as getting someone to edit your work... Kind of goes back to what we said about, I mean, you have to be able to take part in it. And the best the best thing I can suggest is get better at editing. Because if you're going to be seriously, if you're going to seriously pursue writing, then you need to have at least some skill at editing. Because yeah. in order to get to a point where you can just throw your first draft at people and say, make that better you need to be able to produce something that will allow you to reach that level. Um, the way to get better at editing, which is not as tedious as it sounds, is to do a lot of reading. Yeah. Read, like, read writers that you admire, read classical authors, um, read works that other people say are good and well-written, and then go back and read your own stories immediately after that and compare the things that they're doing to the things that you're doing. Um, part of it also is getting proficient at grammar and spelling and punctuation and all the rules of yeah. technical rules. which Syntax and format and all that. Yeah, and you know, go out and buy elements of style and just read through it once. It's... Uh, you know, it's. I know it's kind of tedious, especially if you didn't like yeah. learning grammar in school, but it's so valuable. Yeah, and another thing that I'm going to suggest here, and I'm actually honestly surprised I've never brought this up on the podcast before, but as I think of it, I don't recall ever doing so. Uh, like, you know, Kyle was just saying about how you need to, you know, 
be good at editing. Editing is a skill that you need to develop, just like writing. The ability to write is a skill you need to develop. And so if you're sitting out and it's like, oh, like I have like this big novel idea, but you're not good at editing, I would really advise trying to learn how to edit by writing shorter stories first. Yeah. Because trying to learn how to edit with a giant, long opus, as excited as you might be to write it, if you already know that you don't have the editing chops to handle that, you may want to either leave that on the back burner or, you know, write the first draft, set it aside, you know, break in your editing chops on some short stories and then come back to the, this thing and edit it later. Because yeah. it, it it really is, you're going to be doing yourself and your story a disservice if you, you know, haven't honed the ability to make that the best you can make it. I would agree with that. I, w- I will say, though, that I, I know that short story writing is not, is a, it's sort of a companion skill to novel writing. And there are people who definitely are better at novels. There are people who are better at short stories. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and they're not the same skill. They're not the same talent at all. And I, I would hate to see someone who is trying to write a novel get all frustrated because he can't write a short story. And if you find yourself unable to think of you know, a short story or an idea that you can write in five or 10,000 words, then just write one scene from your novel and make that scene pop. Yeah. I mean, either way, I mean, not to, like, you know, like you say, writing a short story and writing a novel are two very different things. And, but I mean, just to to just get the, to mentally, you know, train yourself to edit writing. I think editing a longer story and editing a shorter story are more more closely connected than initially writing either of those things. Yeah, probably. Um, And another thing you can do, it's, you don't necessarily have to have other people's permission, but go on to FA, go on to SoFurry, go on to Furrag, and look at some of the submissions that come up there and just think about what would you suggest to these people to make their stories yeah. better. Again, don't necessarily communicate that, although yeah. most people who post stuff up will be happy to hear critiques, but... I don't know if I'd say most. <laughs> well, many. At least, I mean, I keep yeah. hearing from people who are like, how can I get critiques on my work? And we're like, you know, post it to FA. And they're like, yeah, but everybody there is just like, I wish I was at Fox. And that's about it. Um, but, you know, read a lot of the stuff that, that your peers are posting online. Read some of your friends' stories and think really hard about what is this missing? Or yeah. how would you improve it? I don't want to necessarily imply that everything that gets posted is missing something. Although, it's you know the further you go in, the harder it is to find something that you can't really yeah. um, make a suggestion toward. But you know, think about that because it's easier to edit someone else's story than it is to edit your own. It is. That's true. But if you practice that, if you go through and you say, "All right, this is how you." This is how I would change this story. This is how I would improve it. This is what this story is missing. You become more apt to recognize it in your own work. Right. And the other thing is that if you can really get down this impartialness and just being able to just sort of focus on, okay, you know, like being able to improve things, not only will you have the ability to make a bad scene better, you'll also have the ability to make a good scene better. Yeah. And that's just as important. Good point. Uh, So there you go. And... Honestly, you know, if you start posting f- good feedback for, on people's stories, 
other writers will find you, and yeah. people will ask you to edit their stuff. Absolutely. But, I, that's certainly worked for me. Um, but you also, and you know, last piece of advice, you also have to be careful. Don't just post something and say, wow, your characters in this story are really shallow, and I would, you know, I couldn't relate to any of them, and, uh, and I didn't really like the story. I mean, if you're giving somebody critique, give them a positive along with the way you'd improve it. But, you know, mostly do it as an exercise for yourself. And when you gain some more confidence about being able to speak to what you see the problems in someone's story are, then, you know, you'll find that more and more people will ask your advice and you'll be much better at editing your own work. Yeah. Well said. And our next email here, we have... Greetings, Kyle and KM. My question today is very short, but you must know I have to ask. This has been on my mind for a long time, and my curiosity is killing me. Anyway, my question is, how did you, KM, and Kit meet? Like, when and where did you meet Kit for the first time, and how did you meet KM Hirasaki? I'm looking forward to hearing your different stories and thoughts. Andy. Wow, how did Kit and I meet? Uh, We met through a mutual friend. Um, oddly enough, we met in person before meeting on the internet. Um, that People was, do that? Wow. And, yeah, and the internet was still around at that time. <laughs> we didn't meet that long ago. And we met a uh, long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Mm, Wait, no, this one. No, in this galaxy, but a a city far from this one. Uh, And having met, uh, I think it was just like one night. It was, uh, Kate was in town for dinner and uh, we met and hung out and then we started chatting online and um, Many years later, I moved in with him, and uh, then we started doing a podcast. <laughs> we'll skip all the juicy bits and the stuff that Cam Hirosaki writes about sometimes. Well, Kit, uh, if you didn't catch that on the mic, Kit is admitting that the first time he met our mutual friend who introduced us, he was not wearing pants. But I will say that the mutual friend did not introduce us with the intention that we get together it was just sort of a you know we both knew him and we're both in town at the same time and so we ended up meeting and uh yeah things then went on from there in the way that uh young furry internet people do you can fill in details and probably wouldn't be too far off (laughs) and then how did we meet cam Oh, I sent KM a letter. Yeah. Um, Kyle emailed me out of the blue. I, I emailed him and said, because uh, I was trying to help Sofowolf get some more um, authors into heat. And I remembered having read on Yifstar years and years ago those early stories, which um, featured a fox and otter, I believe. Yeah. That's uh, I think you that, may have that, taken There's your down. symmetry. We got your symmetry back, Kyle. Yeah. Those are still online. I haven't taken them down. Are they? Yep, they're still up. Um, but they were very cute stories, and I was impressed because they were a cut above what I saw on Yifstar usually. 
and we emailed back and forth for a while, and that was right after my first book had come out. Yeah, so I hadn't read. I actually hadn't read anything by Kyle's yet because he was only just starting to put his stuff online. He had just posted White Knight, actually, mm-hmm. and you you said, "Hey, here's my story. If you want to see what my stuff is like," and uh, it was like a few weeks later. Uh, I went to Anthrocon, and that's where I picked up my my copy of all when it had just come out, and uh, it was so funny. Because one of my friends was was there at the table, and I'm like, "Is this? Oh yeah, you know what? You didn't even tell me you had written it. I found it. I was at the Stofolf table, and I saw your name on a book, and I'm like, that son of a bitch! He didn't tell me he had a book out. And uh, I was like, well, I'm like, this is this guy I've been talking about. I have to read his book. And I saw it had like the adults only tag in the corner, and I asked somebody, and I'm like, does this like is this like got like a bunch of like sex scenes in it and he goes oh there's like one scene like right towards the end where it's like vaguely alluded to but that's it and this is a wow. friend who had who had who had read it and was obviously it pulling was obviously my leg messing with you yeah because yeah, then i was reading it on the plane on my flight back from anthrocon i was like oh hello i was misled um <laughs> but no it's funny because so we were emailing back and forth about writing because we're clearly both very into it as you can tell and uh after like Going back and forth a few times, we like learned just completely coincidentally that we lived like fifteen minutes away from each other. Yeah, and it was just sort of like, like, wait, hold on. Then it's like, do you want to like grab dinner sometime and you know hang out? And that's when you know Kyle's like, okay, but I'm bringing my wolf with me. Like, don't think this is something that's not. And I'm like, no, no, it's totally not. And uh, yeah, there was there was wine and. Yeah, I was going to say, and then after dinner, we brought him back here and <laughs> Kit plied him with wine. Thus began the first of... Uh, That's how that I knew the, Kit was going to be my friend. That was that was the first <laughs> of, of that tradition. Um, Coke Zero had not been invented yet, so... It had not. I had... I actually was... I don't... No, I was, I was drinking diet sodas at that point. Um, I don't know what I was drinking, though. I, I will remember. say that the very first time that we met in person, I was wearing nail polish. You were. You had just gotten your pride on. Mm-hmm. As I oh, I was. I was priding it up like a, like a mofo. It made him easy to find. He lit up the room with my <laughs> with my bedazzlement. Walked into the restaurant and I'm like, "Now, where's the guy I'm supposed to meet? Oh, it's the one on fire over there." <laughs> oh, I just did a little gay chuckle too. That wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. All right. Okay. Uh, This next one will be kind of quick, and then we have one from Lovejoy that we can make fun of. First off, I just want to start by saying, great job. I'm currently trying to catch up, downloading the rest of what I don't have on my iPod. I was just wondering how you both chose your species. Just an interesting little thing that crossed my mind. Your friendly Arctic fox, Kaltebild. Kaltebild. Sounds Norwegian almost. (laughs) Uh, You had Uh, to, didn't you? yeah, Yeah, yeah. We'd just been watching Pushing Daisies, so there was a Norwegian episode where they all dressed <laughs> in Norwegian flag the, themed with uniform. With a yellow and blue sock, and then got high off of ABBA and meatballs. <gasps> Sweets! <laughs> um, I'm going to go out and kind of have the cop-out answer and say that my species chose me. God damn it, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's why I had to speak first. No, actually, I remember just sort of being one of those things where it's like, you know, like, oh, yeah, every, you're in the furry fandom, you sort of have this species, and just sort of like, I thought about it, I'm like, I kind of get the impression that I'm an otter, and I just sort of went with that, and nobody has uh, has really... Changed your mind. Nobody's changed my mind, and nobody has contested that assertion, so... 
And actually, a couple of our friends have said that you seem very otterish in person. Yeah. Um, and for for my part, I, I will not say that since you said it. I will say that uh, I've been in the furry fandom for a long time, going on... Uh, ooh. Let's just say if uh, that if there was someone who was born the first time I logged into Furry Muck, they could now vote. Um... But uh, I haven't gone by the name Obi Wan since so before you were born. <laughs> a long time. Um, but a I've, long time. And you know, I, in my in my younger furry days, I experimented a little bit. Um, I I tried being. I was. A, I had a bunch of different species knocking around, and most of them didn't last more than a little while. But it was always the. Um. It was always the canids, and then after a few years, specifically the foxes, that I just kind of found out I, I didn't play any of the other characters. I just kept playing the foxes, and that's what feels right to me. If um, any of you ever meet Kyle in person, you will not question the, the fox thing. Uh, it, I, it's in him through and through. <laughs> Actually, it's the wolf thing that's in me, but... That's well, not if, all if your the fans time. are meeting you in person, that's probably not going to be the case at the time. Uh, I'm hoping not, unless I got real desperate for money. But why don't you close us out here while Kit turns bright red over in the corner there? Okay. Hi, fellas. I'm taking a break from writing overly critical notes about your stories to send you an email. I was wondering how you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, keep doing it. I just broke the whole crew. <laughs> Keep doing it. It's perfect. <laughs> I've just ruined a friendship. I, I was wondering how you guys them. feel about autobiographical adventures or travel literature. As a journalist... <laughs> oh my god. Now, now you have to do like, okay, shut up. <laughs> Alright guys, we're going to be very serious. <laughs> Saverin has to finish his email. <laughs> As a journalist, it's really the closest I'll ever get to writing a novel, but writing anecdotal nonfiction presupposes that you have an interesting life, which if I did, I wouldn't spend my time reading furry novels and then making fun of them on the internet. Now, the both of you travel enough where I would guess that there are a number of experiences worth sharing. Is Live Journal enough for you? Or have either of you thought of becoming the fandom's Malcolm Gladwell or Bill Bryson? You both seem interesting enough to... You both seem interesting enough, and a book chronicling a year of fur cons or whatever might be interesting, despite the marginally fewer blowjobs compared to one of your fiction stories. From Lovejoy. Oh, well, yeah. Lovejoy, you, uh, you're presupposing the number of blowjobs I get when I travel. So. I, I feel compelled to point out also that he misspelled Malcolm Gladwell's name, but that's only because he's a journalist, and I think we may have to give him a non-passing grade for that letter. Um, uh, I'm so sad that this is not a video podcast because the look on your two's faces was just priceless. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, if, if if you folks out there don't know Lovejoy, he's a weasel. We'll just say that, and that about covers it up. Uh, um, he's a good guy, honest. No, he is. We like him. We wouldn't we wouldn't make fun of him on the air if we didn't like him. We'd make the, fun of him after the microphones the, were off if we really didn't like him. We care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
all you people out there that we don't make fun of on the air, now you know. Um, as for writing travel... I'm looking at you, President Obama. As for writing travel journalism, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. What did that mean? <laughs> I don't know. We like President Obama. I don't know what that means. He's good, he's good to gay people. He said we can go visit our partners in the hospitals. Whoa. Yay for him. Bam. You know, I think that if I had an interesting enough vacation that I could turn into a a fun anecdote, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to write that. Uh, I think that the, you know, oh, like, take a year of your life and just sort of chronicle it. I'm not sure if doing that ahead of time without knowing how interesting it's going to be would really be my style. Well, then you just, I mean, if you if you say you're going to do that, then you kind of take steps to make sure it's going to be interesting. Like, yeah. You know, Kit and I a couple years ago had thought we, I don't remember how this came about, but we just kind of thought we need more stories. And so we thought, you know, often we're presented with opportunities to do things and we're kind of like, ah, it would be a lot of trouble. Uh, I'm sure it wouldn't be worth it. And we thought, you know, once or twice when something like that comes up, let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. And, you know, we've... Uh, I know we've done things. I'm trying to remember if any real good stories have come out of them that we can share on the air. Um, like the time you guys raided that Aztec tomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were there. They said, do you want to come raid it with us? And we were like, well, we're kind of tired. We were thinking about just going back to the hotel. But, well, it would be a good story. And, you know, maybe we'll get a curse we can bring back. I was going to say, it might not be worth the curse of Quetzalcoatl, but, you know, hey, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, well, big feather-winged serpents. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about Malcolm Gladwell and Bill Bryson is that they have very particular talents toward... Um, digging out the real interesting things in real life. Mm. Um, actually, I think my favorite Bill Bryson book is uh, I'm a Stranger Here Myself, where he comes back to the he comes to the United States. Or was it the year he was living in England? I forget I which I way he went. I haven't read that one. It's basically a series of essays about weird things that people do in one country or another. Um, I could certainly write about that. And I think I'm a little too wedded to the truth when it comes to my own life to be able to... Playfully embellish. Playfully embellish. Um, I mean, and Malcolm Gladwell's kind of the same way. He's as much as admitted that his story on the moth, which is supposed to be real stories from true life, has he basically said has been kind of embellished. It didn't quite go down the way he said it. But he also has a real good talent for digging into motivations and what makes people interesting on their own. And while I think you know we kind of have to have that for our fictional characters, I'm not sure how. I think it's kind of a, a slightly different talent than applying it to real people. Yeah, and I will say when it comes to my amusing personal anecdotes, those are the things that I enjoy telling in person, but I'm not sure I would enjoy so much just writing them down. Like, yeah. if you ever, like, got me, like, at dinner or, like, you know, out for drinks or something, then I will, like, you know, cheerfully give you my playful spin on wacky things that have happened to me. And, you know, I'll yammer your ear off if you let me and keep buying me things to drink. But uh, I think that that sort of almost, like, storytelling performance and not... Yeah. I think that committing it down to like written form would almost ruin the magic 
and I, and I know that the um, the Soph Wolf guys have done a storytelling thing at Midwest Fur Fest the last couple of years, um, which I think if I go to Midwest this year, maybe I can. Which might be worth checking that. out. Um, I think it didn't. Uh, didn't Notcast actually release it this year as one yes. of their episodes? Yes, Notcast did it as a Notcast Presents. Yeah, so it's just not something in written form. You know, the other thing, and this is really the big limiting factor for me, is um, I barely have time to write all the fiction that I want to write. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing for me, too. So as much as nonfiction might be appealing, um, you know, uh, I have plenty of stories in my head that are begging to be written and I need to write them first. Yeah. I mean, you know, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. So I don't know if truth is stranger than gay furry porn. Mm, There's (laughs) stuff I probably shouldn't say. I, I will say that my life has surprised me. With humanoid animal say. people having gay sex. Okay, well, because yeah. <laughs> I mean, if 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 so, I, I think you've been holding out, and I think you owe us some. You know, I would never hold out. Oh I, God! <laughs> I think uh, I, I think we've I seen just, several stories that prove that point. I was going to say either just shot myself in the foot or in the face. I don't know which. I think you. Uh, I think you shot yourself somewhere else. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I certainly shot myself in some form or another. Um, so, <laughs> I think with Happy that, I, I, do appreciate, I do appreciate the suggestion and the confidence that, um, you know, mentioning us in the same sentence with Malcolm Gladwell or Bill Bryson, albeit the qualifier of the fandoms, but uh, I appreciate being mentioned in that company. I have a great deal of respect for both of those writers. Yeah. They're terrific. And, uh, you people who are looking for ways to tell a good story, you could do worse than pick up Bill Bryson. Yeah. Maybe I can also be equated to, like, the furry fandom's Lady Gaga or something. I think you have to release an avant-garde music video first. Okay, I'll work on that. All right. In between all the fiction writing and autobiographical travelogues. <laughs> Wouldn't that be autobiographical? Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where's, think, a, where's Atari when we need him? He needed to make that joke. <laughs> I think he's in Salt Lake City. Uh, um, but our text heavy wolf has given us the uh, you've been talking too long sign. And so I think we are going to wrap it up. Send us more questions. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys at uh, unsheathedpodcast.gmail.com. at com. If you have good editing examples, um, if I were to call somebody specifically out on the podcast i would say probably chondrol and pyro have uh would be good candidates but anyone who wants to send one in i just figured i'd sort of nudge those two yeah when you said that i tried to like look suggestively at the microphone like yeah guys and i'm like oh wait they can't see that plus you know when you look suggestively at the microphone it means something else too get your mouth off of there um we're also unsheathed on FA, uh, Kyle Gold on Twitter, and KyleGold.LiveJournal.com is where I keep all of my Bill Brass and Malcolm Gladwell-esque writings for the moment. Yep, and I'm Cam Hirasaki on Twitter, Cam Hirasaki at LiveJournal, where I mostly just put my writing and stuff about my writing. I don't do too much about my personal life on there. 
And uh, thank you for sticking with us through 37 episodes. Yes. In a row. Sticking with us. <laughs> like a fox. Try not to record any podcasts on your way into the parking lot. <laughs> Good night, all. Keep writing. Yes, please do.